There were two more murders 15 miles when away. When arrived, they found the telephone the electricity line. The weird described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Cup of murder. Bad luck seems to follow certain people. And if you asked a woman named Mary Runkle, she would be inclined to agree. On August 18, 1847, another stroke of bad luck hit the Runkle house. And this time, Mary was going to pay for it. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. At around 4 a.m. on August 19, 1847, 12-year-old Elizabeth Runkle frantically called neighbors to her family's Oneida, New York home. She claimed her father was having fits and that she thought he might be dying. The neighbors rushed to the Runkle home and found a badly bruised John Runkle laying in bed with his hands folded, already dead. By his bedside was an equally bruised wife, Mary Runkle. According to Mary, her bruises came from blows she suffered trying to assist her husband and that his bruises were from the struggle on the floor. But on closer examination, not only was John stiff and cold, indicating that he had been long dead, but three of his teeth had been knocked out in addition to bruises all over his elbows, hips, and knees. Now, surmising he had actually died the day before, Mary was asked why she didn't get help earlier. She stated that her husband threatened to kill her if she went for help. There were small traces of blood on the floor that showed obvious signs of cleanup, and a subsequent search found a bundle of both men and women's clothing wet with blood. When they asked Mary and Elizabeth yet again what happened, neither could agree on a story. And with that, John's body was taken into evidence where doctors concluded that there was no way he died of natural causes. That his marks, the ones Mary claimed were from a fit, could be from a fall or spasm, but not the ones around his neck. Those were a clear thumb and finger bruise. Mary was furious that she would even be considered a suspect in her husband's death. But that indignation soon turned into shock when police began looking into her background. During their years of marriage, the Runkles moved a number of times, each following some form of suspicion. In Route, New York, Mary was accused of forging an order to steal goods from a local merchant. Both matters were settled and the Runkles moved on. Not long after, a peddler passed through the area selling goods on credit. The man mysteriously disappeared around the same time the Runkles' young daughters went to school with brand new dresses. When asked about their new clothing, the girls said that their mother had plenty of this new cloth at home. The police, who had already traced the peddler to the Runkle home just before his disappearance, heard the dress rumor and determined that the Runkles were more than likely responsible for his death. However, before anything could be done, the two Runkle girls mysteriously drowned in a shallow tub of water. According to Mary, she left the girls in charge of their older son, who obviously failed to supervise them properly. A son who, not long after, died mysteriously of measles. Not having enough to bring up charges, the Runkles were free to move to St. Johnsville, New York, and start over. John bought a tavern, and the couple decided that they needed new cushions for the seats. Mary Runkle was arrested for stealing some from a local church, and once the matter was settled out of court, the Runkles simply upped and moved to Floyd, New York. Their string of bad luck seemed to follow yet again when they were accused of burning down a barn, moved to Westmoreland, were tried for perjury, and then to Rome, where Mary was tried for stealing two towels. Troubles seemed to follow the Runkles wherever they went. 
In fact, Mary was under indictment for stealing clothes off a neighbor's clothesline at the time of John's death. Police weren't buying that John's death was just another stroke of bad luck, and Mary was arrested for her husband's murder. The trial began on September 16, 1847, and just a week later, the jury deliberated for less than three hours and came back finding Mary Runkle guilty of first-degree murder. She was to be sent to the gallows for her crimes. While awaiting her execution, Mary published an eight-page pamphlet entitled Life and Confessions of Mary Runkle. In it, she maintained her innocence, stating that her husband died of fits, her daughters of an accident, and her son of measles. Oh, and that she knew nothing of the peddler. That she was simply guilty of these small petty thefts, which were all the urging of her husband. If her pamphlet was an attempt to garner sympathy, it went unnoticed. Because on November 9, 1847, Mary Runkle was hanged via the new counterweight gallow when she was just about 50 years old. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on August 19th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.